God, we love you. We are so grateful for you, so grateful to be in this place where we can come and we can worship. We can come, we can open up your word, we can dive in together and see what you have to say to us. God, I just pray that as we start this series, as we start the new year off talking about who we are at Fresno First Church, what we are about, where you have called us as a church, God, I just pray that you would speak through me once again. That the words that come out of my mouth would be your words for your people on your day, God. This, this is all for you. This is, this is for you. God, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. This week, we are starting off uh, like we do every new year, uh, talking through what we are about here at Fresno First. We, we call it root. This is, our, this is the roots of who we are. Uh, when you walk in the foyer, the biggest three signs that you see, connect, grow, serve. This is who we are at this church. This is where God has called us as a church. This is, uh, this is the time for us at the beginning of every single year to kind of just refocus uh, re, uh, recenter ourselves on this mission, on these goals, to all be on the same page as we launch through this next year, 2020. Uh, this is what we are going to be about. You know, this is where God has called us. Uh, you know, this is not just something that's from, from me. Uh, I, I'll tell you the story. I tell it every year. I want to tell you the story of how this came to be. It, this is not something that just came from uh, my mind. This is actually something that we sat down with, uh, my, probably my third or fourth board meeting here. Uh, we sat down, and as a board, some of, some of the board members are still here. They can, they can vouch for this. We sat down, and we just said, all right, as a church, if we are quote-unquote, successful. What kind of people will be here at this church? What kind of people are going to be growing here at this church? We began to just list out a group of characteristics of of what we want to see in people here at the church. We said things like, I want to see compassionate people. I want to see people who who care about other people. We want to see people who who are biblically solid in their foundation as they come. We want to see people who, who are able to mentor each other and able to, to help each other through these hard times. We want to see people who are, who are just treated like family. You know, there's a list of 25, 30 things on this, on this whiteboard that we, that we had. And we just went through and, and just began to pare these things down. And every single word, every single characteristic on that board came down to these three things. Connect, grow, serve. We want the people at this church to be able to connect to grow and serve. I, you know, I went home that night and I was just super proud about what had just happened. Uh, I was just like, man, we are like on the cutting edge of what is happening here. Uh, you know, just, just super proud, super excited about what's going on here. You know, I'm like three, four months into my first lead pastor job. I'm just like, yes, this is, this is amazing. And then later on that week or a couple weeks later, I began to read in the book of Acts and I got to Acts chapter two and I realized we weren't on the cutting edge of anything. That this is exactly what the early church had as well. In fact, if you go to Acts chapter 2, uh, if, you, if you want to go there with me, Acts chapter 2 is on page 937 of, of the Pew Bibles. Here's uh, what happens in Acts chapter 2. This is the early church. This is the very beginnings of the early church. And I just want you to pay attention to what they, what they are about what they devote themselves to, what they focus on, and see if you can see any, any similarities. 
2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with thought, the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I want you to see this. This early church, the very first church. Remember, just, just earlier than this, Peter has just given his first sermon. Uh, Jesus has gone into heaven. Peter has given his first sermon, repent, be baptized. And now we have kind of the implementation of the church. Here's what they're focused on. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. We'll talk about that next week and grow. They were constantly together. They devoted themselves to the the fellowship. This word fellowship means koinonia. It's about community. They devoted themselves to the community. They were about connect. They sold things and gave things to anyone who had need. They were about serving one another. And the earliest church was just about connect, grow, and serve. And so I was reading this when we were kind of launching this whole thing, and I was thinking, man, this isn't just something that we just came up with at some board meeting. This is something that has been ordained by God since the very beginning of the church's existence. The very earliest church was about connect, grow, serve. And the same thing is true. God is calling us here at Fresno First Church in the year 2020 To connect and to grow and to serve. Nothing has changed in God's mind. This is what the church should be about. And so this year, we are actually entering year six of this. This is the sixth year that we will be here at Fresno First talking and and implementing connect, grow, and serve. And I got to tell you, I don't think God's going to have us change that anytime soon. Because God is, is, is moving in this place, he's moving in this community, he's moving in our midst. I mean, just think about this. Think about over the last five years, the relationships that have been built up and, and just fostered in this place. Relationships have gone deeper, walls have been broken down. It's been amazing just to see some of the relationships that have formed. Relationships with people that, that beforehand were like, yeah I, did, yeah, I know them. And now they're like best friends. Why, why is that? Well, has it, is it because we've been really focusing on, on connecting with one another? Maybe. Did you know over the last five years we have over 30 people baptized? Yeah, people are growing in this place. As you know, we've been, we've been partnering with our local schools. We've been, we've been in our community doing things. We've, been, we've gone to, to nursing homes and different places to be able to, to serve, to be in the hands and the feet of Jesus. This is what it's about, to connect and to grow and to serve. And so right now, at the beginning of year six of this, Connect, Grow, Serve, uh, I'm just so excited about what God has for us here at this church. God is not changing his call to us. He is saying, just continue to push. Continue to push in this area. Connect, grow, and serve. And so over the next three weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to just continue this conversation, continue to talk and focus and kind of re-energize ourselves as we come into this this year to make sure that we are all on the same page here. We are going to be a church that does 
Three things. We're going to be a church that connects. We're going to connect people with people. That's what Connect is all about, connecting people with people. We're going to be a church that grows. We're going to be a church that connects people with God. And we're going to be a church that serves. We're going to be a church that connects God with people. This is what we are about. This is where we are going. And so this morning, I just want to, I want to start here. We're going to start this week with just kind of reminding ourselves of what it means to connect. What it means to build the kind of relationships that God is calling us to build. What does it mean to connect people with people? What does it mean to kind of invest ourselves in this mission, in this goal of our church? Yeah, relationships are, are so important to a believer. Relationships are, are one of the most important things that we can even have as believers. Yeah, I was, uh, some, of my, some of my deepest growth has come just basically straight out of relationship. Yeah, I remember when I lived in Bakersfield, I was in uh, 8th and ninth grade in Bakersfield, end of 7th grade, 8th and ninth grade, about two and a half years. I was, uh, I was not a happy camper. <laughs> in Bakersfield. I, I didn't want to really be there. I was just kind of an angry guy. My mom tells us, tells me often that when we lived in Bakersfield, I would just stand in our driveway and I would just throw basketballs at our garage door. That's just who I was. It is. That's, 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 that's the anger that I had at that time in Bakersfield. But I had three men in my church invest in me during that time. One of them's name was Johnny. Two, two of these guys were really just through basketball. We would go play basketball all the time. One of, his, one of them's name was Johnny. Johnny was an older guy. He was, a youth, he was on the youth staff at our church. Uh, I was in the youth group. And we would, we would just go out and play basketball. And he would just play rough with me. He would be physical with me. He would give me elbows and push me and allow me to, to just kind of get some anger out and push him and be physical with him and just get kind of the, the anger out of my system. And then we'd sit and talk about life. Yeah, there's another guy named Ryan who was only about four years older than me. He would pick me up at my house and we would go have pizza. We would go to the church and, and find our way into the gym and play basketball. He would just hang out. And he would just... Talk to me about life. One of them was my youth pastor. Some of you have met him. His name's Charles. He was here a couple years ago preaching. I can't even tell you the importance of Charles in my life. He, I don't even know. I, honestly, I, without those three investments in my life, without those three relationships in my life, I'm, I'm curious to, I would be curious to know the decisions that I make in the next few years. Honestly. Relationships are so important to a believer, to have someone that comes into your life and speaks into it, to have someone that will come into your life and, and just allow you to vent, allow you to, to get things off your chest, allow you to be open and honest, someone who's going to push you and challenge you, you know? uh, someone that will even just vouch for you at times, just to say, like, no, I, I, I understand you. I just want to sit and I just want to be with you. We need these relationships in our lives. This is what Connect is all about. It's about fostering these kind of relationships in our life. Relationships are so important. Yeah, even, even Paul. As you know, Paul uh, in the book of Acts, Paul in the book of Acts wasn't always named Paul. In the beginning of Acts, he was named Saul. Saul was not a good guy. Saul was a guy uh, who actually 
made his living persecuting Christians. He would go around and he would find the Christians and he wanted to, to put them in jail. He wanted to kill them. This is, what his, this is literally what his job was. In the book of Acts, Saul has an encounter with Jesus. He sees a light and he is blinded. He wakes up and he has scales on his eyes. He's blinded. He has this encounter with Jesus and Jesus calls him and says, I've chosen you to be the voice to the Gentiles. You're going to be my servant. So Paul, all right, this is what I am. Complete life change. Changes his name. I've talked about the importance of name over the last few weeks. Changes his name from Saul to Paul. And the funny thing is, in Acts chapter 9, Paul tries to go and meet up with the disciples. Now, you can imagine what the disciples are thinking at this point. They're thinking, Paul, you know, this, is, this is Paul, the same guy who is just persecuting us, the same guy who is just trying to kill us. This guy is trying to come and meet us. Actually, if you want to just flip a couple pages over to, to chapter 9, uh, you can read this with me. Chapter 9, <clears throat> verse 26. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Obviously, right? This is like, uh, obviously, this, this feels like a trick. You know, Saul wants to kill us, and now he's claiming to be one of us so he can come and hang out with us. This feels wrong. But even Paul had someone in his life who was able to, to risk everything and just vouch for him. Because the next verse, Barnabas, which his name we'll talk about later, son of encouragement. That's, that's what Barnabas means. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea, sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Even Paul, can you imagine this? Paul needed Barnabas to come alongside him and just vouch for him. Look, I, I get, I, I, Barnabas, you can just imagine the conversation between Barnabas and the disciples. Look, I understand why you would be skeptical of this man, but let me just tell you what I know about Paul. He was able to, to come alongside Paul to vouch for him. And can you imagine, just with me for a second, if that had never happened? If the disciples had rejected Paul, how things would be different? And Paul, uh, I mean, he was chosen by God, so I'm sure God could have figured out another way to get him involved here. But Paul wrote over half the New Testament. Millions of lives had been changed by the words of Paul. And in Acts chapter 9, we see the disciples not even wanting to go there, but Barnabas chooses to put himself on the line and vouch for Paul and say, look, I've, I've seen him, I understand it, he's good, he's with me. All right? Yeah, we all need these kind of relationships in our lives. Relationships can be so powerful in our lives. This is the power of a relationship. And this is what connecting is all about. This is what connect is all about, is, is investing in relationships throughout the church, connecting people with people. 
being in these kind of relationships that are able to, to vouch for each other. And we're actually, we're going to go over just a few characteristics, I think, of, of, the character of, of a relationship that we need to have in our lives. Maybe a couple that we don't need to have in our lives. But we're going to talk about relationships this morning, talk about the kind of relationships that we want to be building as a church, as part of Connect this year in 2020. That's, that's, that's where I want to go this morning. But it's, it's kind of scary when you start talking about building relationships, right? Because that automatically means that somewhere in the picture, there's going to need to be some vulnerability. There's going to need to be some honesty. There's going to be, need to be some openness. Because those are the kind of relationships we're trying to build here. We're not trying to be a church who knows everybody on the surface. That's not what Connect is. Connect is not about having a hundred inch wide relationships or inch deep relationships. I guess inch wide works too. We're about just investing in one another, about really knowing one another on a deep level. You know when someone's going through something and you can sit down with someone and say, hey, I know this is what's going on in your life. How can I help? Do you need to just sit and vent? Do you, can I just listen to you? Yeah, this, is, this, is, this is what it's about. So we're going to just talk through just some characteristics of a few kinds of relationships that we need to have as a church, in the church, within the church, as we connect, connecting people with people. Here's the first kind of relationship everybody needs. We need relationships with people who are going to encourage us, build us up, and make us better. Everybody needs this kind of relationship. We need a relationship that is going to encourage us, it's going to build us up, it's going to make us better. Encouragement was key to the early church. And I'm not just saying that. Like this, this, is a, a, this is a known thing about the early church. Encouragement was so key to their existence. I mean, Barnabas was a huge part of this. I mean, just the fact that Barnabas, his name literally means son of encouragement. Right? But this is, encouragement was such a huge thing in the early church at this time. They knew the importance of this. In fact, I'll just, uh, we'll just travel a little bit through the book of Acts. The, Act, the book of Acts is actually kind of a, uh, a, a telling of the early church. This is, this is kind of stories from the early church. And so uh, as, you, as you turn with me, Acts chapter 15, just a few pages uh, past where we were in Acts chapter 9, you'll see this. In Acts chapter 15, Judas, uh, not that one, a different Judas, uh, and Silas, they were out together and they, they were just, they were talking, they were preaching, and here's what it says. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and they delivered the letter. I'm in verse 31 now of chapter 15. <clears throat> People read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen believers. This was their message. They would go out and they would, they would preach, they would speak to the believers, and their, one of their number one things to do was to encourage them. Now you turn the page to chapter 16, uh, verse 40. Now it's Paul traveling with Silas, not Judas traveling with Silas, it's Paul and Silas in 1640. Uh, Paul and Silas were in prison uh, and they come out of prison. And here's the first place they go, verse 40 in chapter 16. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. 
You can see they went over there for the sole purpose of encouraging the believers. All right, we, we keep going in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20, just a couple more pages over. Acts chapter 20, verse 2. This is Paul again. Uh, I'll read verse 1. When the uproar ended, Paul sent for the disciples and, after encouraging them, said goodbye, set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people. And finally, almost fell off there, <laughs> and finally arrived in Greece. Now, I just want you to see this. Paul's message was encouragement. He was going around traveling, and he wasn't just sharing the gospel. In fact, it doesn't even say here that he was sharing the gospel. What was Paul going around doing? Paul was going around and just encouraging the believers. This is what he was doing. And then you get to the book of Romans. The book of Romans is, is right after Acts, actually. Book of Romans chapter 1. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Rome. And here's, here's what he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 11. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. And then he clarifies what he's talking about here. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I just, I want to be with you. Why? So that we can be both encouraged. You see here, and this is not exhaustive by any means of the word, that we that Paul and the early church was about encouraging one another. The kind of relationships that they were building were relationships that they were, they were encouraging one another. Paul was traveling around to different churches, encouraging and leaving. We see this over and over in the book of Acts. The book of, he, he wants to be with them. Why? So that he can encourage them. This is, this, is, this is what we need to be about as believers. And even in the other letters to the churches, we are, we are told to encourage one another. You know, there are 59 one another passages in Scripture in the New Testament. Here's what I mean by that. There's 59 passages where we're told to something one another. Encourage one another. Love one another. Pray for one another. There are 59 of these passages. More than a few of them are about encouragement. We need to be about encouraging and lifting up one another. Now I could, we can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 11. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Encourage one another. We need to be about encouragement. Now, here's a, here's a question for you. Do you have those people in your life? Do you have people in your life who are encouragers to you, who come to you and lift you up when you're with them? They, they lift your spirits. They, uh, they encourage you. They, they, do you have those people in your life? If you do, would you just write them down, think about them, thank God for them? Here's the other part of that question. Do you have people that you encourage? Do you have people that, that you are their encourager? That you are the one that lifts them up and that, that, that brings a smile to their face? Are you an encourager? Do you have people in your lives that you encourage? That one's a little harder. I hope the answer is yes. And I, just, I want us to, to think about this this week, this year, as we go on connecting with each other, let's be a church that encourages one another. Let's be encouragers. <clears throat> we need to be encouragers. We need to be encouraging people. 
We need that encouragement from other people. Encouragement is key. We need people in our lives, relationships in our lives that encourage us, that lift us up, make us better. Here's the second kind of relationship we need in our lives. We need people in our lives, relationships in our lives. We need connections, if you will, that help us find strength in God. We need relationships that help us find strength in God. Anybody ever gone through a rough time and just had someone come in and sit down with them and just talk? And when they left, you were just so encouraged and you just, they were talking about God and you just knew, I, God is on my side. God is with me. Yeah, we need people in our lives who are going to, to do that for us, who are going to help us find strength in God, even in the hard times. Amen. You know, I think about this, and I, I actually go back to the Old Testament when I think about this, to David. Uh, David wasn't king yet at this point. David, in, in the book of 1 Samuel is where we're going to be going in a second. Uh, in the book of 1 Samuel, David is not king yet. He's been anointed king by Samuel, but he's not king yet. At the same time, David has been doing some pretty, pretty amazing things to the effect that people around are singing songs like, oh, well, Saul is king at this point. I need to make that clear. Singing songs like, Saul has killed his thousands. David has slain his tens of thousands. Like, they're just like, David is way better than Saul. David is the man. Uh, people are just kind of like almost worshiping David a little bit. Uh, doesn't make Saul very happy. Because Saul is king. Saul is the one who they should be singing about. Saul is the one who feels like he deserves all of this praise that David is getting. So Saul wants to kill David. And he begins kind of this pursuit of David. In First Samuel, he begins kind of pursuing David so that he could kill David. If you look with me in the book of First Samuel, uh, we get to this place in First Samuel chapter 23 uh, where... <clears throat> where Saul knows where David is. Um, we'll start at verse 15. While David was at Horish in the desert of Zippah, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at that time at, at Horish. And helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horish. I can't imagine a worse time in life than knowing that the king of this country knows where you are, and is coming to kill you. I mean, kings are powerful people. They're, he's coming with, with people that know how to do what they're about to do. He is coming for the sole purpose of killing David. And then David, who has formed a friendship with Saul's son, Jonathan, Jonathan comes to David, who also knows where he is at, and he just... It literally says here that he helped him find strength in God. 
Just reminding him, my dad is not going to kill you. You will be king. You have been anointed king by God. Nothing is going to change that. God is on your side. Man, we all need a Jonathan in our life. Someone that's going to come in at the roughest times in our lives where things just aren't going well and just sit down and remind us, hey, look, God is on your side. This will not overcome you. This will not kill you. This This will be hard, but you will get through because God is on your side. Yeah, we all need people in our lives like that. So I'll ask you again. Do you have someone in your life like that? Who you know that if you were going through a hard time, they would just come and sit with you. They would come and just remind you, God is on your side. This will not, this will not overcome you. Flip that. Are you someone... That is like a Jonathan. Are you willing to be someone like a Jonathan? When someone is going through a hard time and you know it, to just be able to go to them and sit with them and just remind them, God is on your side. Do you have a Jonathan? Are you a Jonathan? I want the answer to both of those to be yes this year. Here's the third kind of relationship. We need people in our lives who are going to tell us the truth. We need people in our lives who are going to speak truth into our lives. I was already kind of on David, and then as I was getting ready for this, I just couldn't get away from David. And so uh, there's another man in David's life uh, who just speaks truth to David. His name is Nathan. It's in uh, 2 Samuel, if you want to go there with me. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Uh, We kind of know 2 Samuel chapter 11 as the story of David and Bathsheba. Uh, David is up on his roof. He is overlooking the kingdom. He is king at this point. He is on his roof looking over the kingdom, sees a woman on her roof bathing, wants her, takes her, kills her husband. That's a very short version of this story. But... That's, that's not where we're going today. So, but here's, here's what happens. In the next chapter, that's chapter 11. In chapter 12, Nathan comes to David. Nathan is a prophet at this point. Speaking, he comes literally just to speak truth to David. Here's what he says. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, it grew up with him and his children, it shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like an otter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And then David, Nathan looks at David and he says, You are that man. That's you. 
Do you understand what you just did? God sees what you have just done. Do you get what you have just done? You are that man. Nathan's sole purpose in meeting with David at that point, I mean, he is a prophet. He is speaking words from God to, to, uh, to David. But his sole purpose there is to speak truth to David. Say, look, David, understand what just happened. You are this guy. Now, we all need people in our lives who are going to, to, to be with us and be close enough to us that when we are traveling down a road that we should not be in, can look us in the eye and say, you're that guy. You should not be doing this. I, I want to keep you accountable because this is not the way you should be living as someone who claims Christ. Amen. We need people in our lives like Nathan who are going to speak truth into us. Now, do you have someone in your life that speaks truth into you? I can't tell you the importance that accountability has played in my own life. It's huge. Accountability has been one of the, one of the greatest things for me, to have people in my life that will look at me and say, this is not right. Do you have a Nathan in your life? And here's, here's the flip of that. Are you comfortable enough with the people around you where you can be a Nathan? Where you can see someone in the church, or mostly in the church we're talking about here right now. This relationship that you've built. One of encouragement, yes. One of bringing, bringing people up, yes. One of reminding people of God's place in their life, yes. One of keeping each other accountable, yes. I want us to be able to be connected to the point where we are able to look at each other and say, look, I, this isn't right. Maybe someone has hurt your feelings, and you just need to say, look, I, this wasn't right, and I, I was hurt by this. Maybe someone's living a way that they shouldn't be living, and you're, you feel comfortable enough, and you have a close enough relationship. That's the key part there. Have a close enough relationship to be able to walk up to them and say, we need to talk. This isn't right. Amen. Do you have a Nathan in your life, and are you a Nathan to someone else? I hope during 2020 the answer can, to both of those questions can be yes. Now, here's, here's the flip side of this. Those are kinds of relationships that we, that we do want. Those are the kind of relationships that we need to be seeking out day in, day out here at this church. That's what Connect is all about, connecting people with people, growing deeper in relationship, the kind of relationships that encourage each other, build each other up, remind each other of God's place in their life, that God is not going to let them down, that God is going to be with them even in the hard times. We're going to have the kind of relationships that will be able to say, look, this isn't right. We need to, we need to, and not only just this isn't right, but let's together make this right. Let's travel this road together. Let's read scripture together. Let's pray together. Let's do this. So let's get you back where you need to be going here. And I would expect the same to me. But there's also relationships in our lives that we don't need. We don't need people in our life who are going to distract us from God's plan. 
We don't want to be a distraction for people. We don't want to distract people from God's plan, and we definitely don't want relationships in our life that are going to continually tempt us to sin, which is distracting us from God's plan. We need to steer clear of that. And here's the question on those. Do you have people in your life who are distracting you from God's plan in your life? Do you have people in your life who are continually just tempting you to do things that you know are not right? Those relationships, I'm not saying you need to close off those relationships, but those relationships need to change. Maybe those relationships are the first ones where you need to speak truth and say, this is not right. This, I, I can't keep living like this. I can't keep doing this. I, I, I just can't. Here's the key. All of this hangs on one thing. Love. All of this hangs on love. You know the most popular one another in Scripture? Love one another. Love one another. In fact, Scripture in the book of John chapter 17 says, they, the, the world will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. All of this hangs on love. Every single piece. So this year, 2020, connect at Fresno First Church. We're going to be talking a lot about building deep relationships, encouraging one another, lifting each other up, being able to, to sit with each other. Scripture talks about mourning with those who mourn, rejoicing with those who rejoice. We're going to be able to, be able to sit with each other and remind each other of, of God's love in your life. Look, I know you're going through a hard time, but God can overcome. God is going to lift you up. God will be here with you. I'm going to strengthen you in the Lord, just like Jonathan. We're going to be people like Barnabas. We're going to be people like uh, Jonathan. We're going to be people like Nathan, who encourage, who lift us up, who speak truth into our lives. This is what Connect is all about. Now, I will say this. Connect at our church is a beautiful thing. In fact, out of all three of our goals, Connect, Grow, Serve, I think Connect has been going the best. We are a church that loves each other. We are a church that treats each other like family. But let's continue to widen the circle. Let's connect. Now, we'll have opportunities throughout the year. There's going to be men's events and women's events and youth events and kids' events and all kinds of stuff that we can do to help everybody at our church, young and old, connect, grow, and serve. Connect is what we're talking about today. We're going to have events and all kinds of stuff over the year that will allow us to, to foster these relationships. We also have small groups that allow you to foster these relationships. We'll talk a little bit more about small groups next week in our Grow there are places at Fresno First that we have specifically designed for you to connect. Take advantage of those this year. Build relationships with one another. Be together. Devote yourselves to the fellowship, Acts chapter 2 says. That's what we're going to be about. Fresno First Church is a church that connects. 
Next week we'll talk about grow. Week after that we'll talk about serve. I'm so excited for 2020. I hope you are as well. Let's pray. God, we love you. We just give you so much thanks, so much praise this morning. God, you are a God who has blessed this church tremendously. God, we've seen growth spiritually. We've seen growth relationally. We've seen growth in, in, in every way that you have blessed us, God. We are so thankful for the ways in which you have blessed this church. But God, I just pray today and for the next few weeks especially that we would be a church who, who just is refocused and recentered on your call to us to connect, grow, and serve. God, I just pray that as we go from this place, we would begin to, to think about those three characters in Scripture. Would be a Barnabas who is able to encourage one another? Would we be, uh, would we be a Nathan who is able to speak truth? Would we be a Jonathan who is able to, to just build strength, spiritual strength in people? Would we be able to sit down and just remind people about who you are? God, I just I hope that as we leave here, you would challenge us to, to know those people in our lives and to be those people in our lives. Would we be people who connect? God, we love you. We give you praise. We give you thanks. You are good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to pray a blessing over you as you leave. So if you just hold your hands out and just receive this blessing. <clears throat> May our God, God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, this God who created you and me for relationship, may he go ahead of you and with you this week, maybe in your workplaces, in your homes, in your conversations, wherever you may find yourself, may he remind you of his desire for you to connect. Would you go in peace? Would you go in grace? Go in the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning.